0: All right, guys, well, we're going to be continuing our, uh, our series here in the elementary principles of Christ, and so today we're going to be talking about a very interesting, kind of tender, kind of mysterious subject, actually. It's one of those things that you can really only understand so far, and past the understanding, you know what comes? Faith. And so there's an element of mystery, there's an element of faith involved here, but there are some things that we can understand and should understand about the laying on of hands. So, of course, we're going through this series, uh, for those who have not been here, out of Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. It says, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, and of faith towards God. That was our first week. The doctrine of baptisms, that was the last two weeks, and of the laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. So that's where we've come from, and that's where we're going, and today we'll be talking about the laying on of hands. So before we get into this, let's just, let me pray for us real quick. Father God, I thank you so much for this morning, I thank you for this time with my brothers and my sisters. I thank you that you're here. And Lord, as we open your word, I pray, Jesus, that you would open our hearts and our minds to receive your word with a joyful obedience, that you would grant us wisdom and understanding, first, that we might walk before you in a pleasing manner, but then also so we can teach others. So, Lord, forgive us of our sins. We thank you that we are forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just move me out of the way, Lord, and you would speak whatever needs to be spoken to your church this morning. We thank you. Amen. I want to start, actually, by reading you a verse from Mark 16, uh, verses 17 and 18. And many years ago, I'd, I'd been pastoring for just a couple of years, I think, and I was confronted with these with these verses actually through a video that I watched. And in these videos, there were some pretty average people just walking around, talking, and they were sharing the gospel. And as they were sharing the gospel, they would pray for people. And uh, there were people who seemingly were, were being healed, like on the spot. And this was kind of a, a documentary-type style thing, and it didn't seem... Didn't seem real set up. I mean, it seemed pretty straightforward, and, and there was even an encounter with a man. They were at a music festival in New Zealand or Austra- Australia, something like that. Some crazy, mu- like, EDM music festival, like, out in the woods. Everybody's just, you know, doing LSD and just getting crazy, you know, out, out in the middle of nowhere. And these guys uh, go and set up a tent at this festival, and they I mean, they look like hippies, you know what I mean? They got the dreads and, like, the flowy pants, and uh, they're actually—one uh, of them was Jewish— And they play music, and they have this real like laid-back atmosphere, and they just invite people in. And as they invite people in, they share the gospel, they pray, they actually meet another Jew and talk about how Jesus is the Messiah. And so they have this whole ministry inside this very ungodly music festival. And um, towards the middle or towards the end of this video, there was a guy there who um, they ran into who was possessed, and as uh, they're giving him a ride, I think some, I don't remember where he were giving a ride to, and as they're talking about the gospel, he starts manifesting, um, and it's all on, you know, it's, it's on film, and so they start praying over him, and they, re- they re- rebuke these spirits, and the guy gets delivered, and is suddenly in his right mind, and the aggression and all these things leave him, and he's just overwhelmed with joy, and he gives his life to Jesus. Now, at the time, that was very interesting to me, because I'd never seen anything like that. Um, I now, at this point in my life, have seen lots of things like that in person. And so I at least, least know that that part of the film was very real because I've seen it in real life. And there's no mistaking uh, some of those things. Uh, it's pretty easy to figure out what's, what's, uh, what's really going on there when you've, when you've dealt with it. But at the end of this video, um, he read this passage from Mark 16, 17, 17, and 18. It's very simple. And it says this. And these signs will follow those who believe. And that's a very important wording because there's a lot of discussion about different things um, where the church will will throw things on the apostles and how great the apostles were and how the apostles had these abilities, but uh, nobody else, of course. But this doesn't say that. This says, and these signs will follow those who believe. And it says this. In my name, they will cast out demons. Huh. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. Now, that is not an excuse for for snake handling in church. Uh, They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, Dave, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. And, of course, we see all of that happen, uh, including the serpents, uh, issue in the book of Acts, where, where Paul is on the island of Malta, and he's gather, gathering firewood and going to throw it in a fire and didn't realize there was a snake in there. So when it hit the heat, it came out and bit him. And he just shook it off in the fire and kept on keeping on. And all the natives were like, oh my gosh, this guy must be a murderer. You know, he escaped the shipwreck, but now this is judgment. And they're waiting for him to like swell up and fall over. And he doesn't. <clears throat> and then he's like, oh. Now now the villagers are like, well, he's not a murderer. He must be a God. You know, it's like total flip. But so we see these things take place in their lives. But again, it says all those who believe. And I remember watching this video and and it wasn't even the video. I mean, the video was cool. It was somewhat convincing, but it wasn't really the video. It wasn't what they produced. It was that scripture that caught my attention. And I came to this place where I had to realize like, man, like those were Jesus's words. Jesus even was lying or he wasn't. And I came to this point in myself where this is somewhat, somewhat relevant to our message, uh, somewhat of a side note, but I came to this point where I had to realize, like, you know, I've, I've never doubted the power of God. I don't think anybody here doubts the power of God, that if God wanted to heal somebody or do something, he could. Nobody's, nobody doubts that. But I guess I realized in that moment that I'd never really thought about it, but I guess I just never really expected that he would. You know what I mean? Like, how often when we pray, Do we, you know, when someone's sick and we pray for them, do, we, do you actually have any expectation that this person is going to be healed? Do you have any inclination to go and, and, and anoint people to oil and do these things with, with an expectation that this is really going to happen? And, I mean, I ask that question because I know for a lot of us the answer is no, not really. There's maybe kind of a hope, like, the, well, I hope it doesn't rain today. Like, you just throw the dice and see what happens. But there's not really a biblical founded hope. And that was me. And when I realized that, I was very convicted, very, very convicted. And it started a journey in my life that has been pretty amazing. Um, it was just maybe a week or so after that, that I ran into somebody who had um, like a torn ligament in his knee or, or something like that. Young kid, high school kid, couldn't walk. He was on crutches. And I saw him hobbling with his little crutches in his building and just this great conviction came over me like I had never felt in my life. And I like jumped out of my car and I like ran up and his mom was like freaking out. Like, what is this dude running at us for? And like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm tripping out. And I just said, hey, I don't even know what I said. Long story short, I said, can I pray for you? You know what I mean? Um, And they were like, yeah, sure. And so I prayed for his, for his leg and he was kind of like doing this. His eyes got big and then he did this and he just picked up his crutches and he, and he did this. He's like, it doesn't hurt. And I'm like, really? Like, I'm like, really? Dude, I was so surprised, I'm not gonna lie. I was like, I couldn't believe it, you know? And long story short, um, I was like, okay. When I started like trying to tell them the gospel, they're like, yeah, no, we're totally Christians. And I'm like, I didn't know what to do after that. I was like, okay, bye. And I just got in my car and left. I had no idea what to do. Um, I was so overwhelmed. And that week I saw like seven people miraculously healed. One of them was Pastor Mark's wife who canceled her surgery that she had scheduled two days after our service. Canceled it completely. Complete healing. Um, now, do I see that stuff all the time? Is that an everyday part of my life? No, it's not. Do I have the gift of healing? No, I don't. Uh, I do not have the gift of healing. But the Holy Spirit has the gift of healing, and he moves when he wants to move. So my point is, is it, is it started a process of me having a greater faith and trust in Jesus, and it started a process of me being humbled and learning that there are ways the kingdom works that does not make much sense to me. And the best thing I can do is try to make sense of it in faith and according to his word. And so the laying on of hands is, is kind of one of those things, okay? So what is the laying on of hands? Let's talk about that. Well, in a, in a literal sense, it's not that, that hard to figure out. It's you lay your hands on somebody, but, but what is it used for? So the laying on of hands is something that exists all the way back in, even into the Old Testament, Okay? And what we see in scriptures, we see laying on of hands is used for blessing, blessing people. A father would bless their child, or, you, or, or, or a mightier man would bless another. Um, we see the laying on of hands used for the sake of ordination. Okay, an ordination is really a, it's a transfer of authority. That's what an ordination is. If you ordain somebody as as a a pastor as a missionary, you're 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 transferring authority to them and you're confirming them to this position or work, okay? So there's there's a transfer, there's a a um, confirmation of legitimacy and authority in the laying on of hands. And there's also the laying on of hands for healing, you know, which some might argue is also a transfer in some degree the power of the Holy Spirit, which you know, would can't argue with them too much on that. So, <clears throat> there there is this this thing about the laying on of hands, though, that we have to understand is somewhat similar to baptism. And so if, if you're interested, by the way, in any of our previous messages, uh, repentance from dead works, faith towards God, or the ba- doctrine of baptisms, those are all online on our website. It's also on my, my podcast, either way, however you want to view those. But as we talked about um, baptism, we talked about how baptism is a response to something that God has already done, right? Right? And so in the Old Testament, if someone was cleansed of leprosy, they would, God would do that work. They would be cleansed if they were cleansed. And then a priest would examine them and then having examined them, he would wash them with water as a cleansing rite. And then they'd be allowed back in to God's, the camp of God's people. Otherwise, you were separated. And so for us... Having received the Holy Spirit, having received the work of God in salvation, and we're examined by the priests and say, yes, this is a, a born-again man of faith, we are then baptized into the death and raised up in the new life of Jesus Christ. The baptism, the washing part, is very relevant to some degree. I mean, it, it's not, there's no power in it, but there is power because there's a witness happening. There's a confirmation happening. There is a, a, a visible attribute to the invisible work. Amen. So, the laying on of hands is very similar. The laying on of hands is a visible, tangible um, way for us to experience what God is doing supernaturally. And I want to give you a couple of examples from the Old Testament and then several from the New Testament. So, I want to show you um, some interesting ones, things that really are not going to be relevant to us today in our day and age, but just so you have some context. In Numbers 8, 5 through 19, we're going to see both the ritual washings of the Old Testament that we talked about a couple weeks ago, and we're going to see the laying on of hands. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, take the Levites from among the children of Israel and cleanse them ceremonially. Thus you shall do to them to cleanse them. Sprinkle water of purification on them and let them shave all their body. That's weird. And let them wash their clothes so that, and so make themselves clean. Then let them take a young bull and its grain offering, a fine flour mixed with oil. And you shall take another young bull as a sin offering. And you shall bring the Levites before the tabernacle of meeting. And you shall gather together the whole congregation of the children of Israel. So you shall bring the Levites before the Lord. And the children of Israel shall lay their hands on the Levites. And Aaron shall offer the Levites before the Lord like a wave offering from the children of Israel, that they may perform the work of the Lord. Then the Levites shall lay their hands on the heads of the young bulls, and you shall offer one as a sin offering and the other as a burnt offering to the Lord to make atonement for the Levites." And actually, we'll, we'll just stop right there. We won't read the rest of that. Um, and so basically what's happening, we actually see two aspects of laying on of hands here. In one sense, God is saying, hey, instead of offering me your firstborn, because that was part of the law, the firstborn of every womb was dedicated to God, even your children, not to be sacrificed, but to be, to be used in service. Let me clarify. And so instead of offering your firstborn in service, he says, I'm gonna take the Levites, the sons of Aaron, and I'm going to sacrifice, or, uh, sanctify them. I'm going to set them apart for this work. And so it, God had already determined that, correct? He said, this is what I'm doing. This is what is going to be the new format. These are going to be the people who will serve me in a special way. So to confirm that and to establish that physically before the people, all of the children of Israel came, they took the Levites, and they laid hands on them and they prayed and they ordained them into that ministry. So that laying on of hands, it was a confirmation and it was a unanimous gifting of authority for them to do that work. There, would, there is now no question about whether or not these guys or whether or not these guys should be doing this or are qualified. No, no, no. We've laid hand, We have transferred them. We have solidified this statement. Amen. You see what I'm saying? Likewise, there is, again, this is the part that doesn't necessarily apply to us today. But then you see the Levites do something very interesting. And they take this, this uh, what, what was it, a bull or um, a, young, a young bull, and they lay their hands on the bull as a sin offering. Now, that happens several times in the Old Testament as part of the sacrifices. They would lay their hands on the bull or on the goat as a sin offering, and it was a picture of their sin being imputed on that, that goat or that bull and then it was sent out of the camp into, into the wilderness, into to destruction, into outside. And it was a picture of God covering their sin and, and, and so we see something happen there, right? In Numbers 27, 18 through 23, it says, and the Lord said to Moses, take Joshua, the son of Nun, with you a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay your hand on him. Set him before uh, Eleazar the priest and before all the congregation and inaugurate him in their sight. And you shall give, listen to this, you shall give some of your authority to him that all the congregation of the children of Israel may be obedient. He shall stand before Eleazar the priest who shall inquire before the Lord for him by the judgment of the Urim. At his word they shall go out, and at his word they shall come in. He and all the children of Israel with him, all the congregation. So Moses did as the Lord commanded. He took Joshua and set him before Eleazar the priest and before all the congregation, and he laid his hands on him and inaugurated him, just as the Lord commanded by the hand of Moses. It even says uh, elsewhere, I think shortly after that, that Joshua had had a spirit of wisdom upon him because... Moses had laid his hands on him. And so we see that there is this transfer, again, of authority. There is this transfer of, even in some way, um, maybe an impartation of gifting or ability, that the wisdom that he had. Now, there's a really fine line here, though, that we have to understand. Because today we have many churches who, and they love laying hands on people. They love speaking in tongues. They love doing all kinds of crazy stuff, right? But it's not always done in the way that is orderly or biblical. And so there's not a lot of power in it. And here's the issue. um, Joshua was given wisdom and authority by the laying on of hands of Moses. Now, where did that wisdom and authority originate from though? The Lord, God, not Moses, not Moses. Who initiated the transfer of authority? Who allowed the transfer of wisdom? Was it God or Moses? It was God. Let me ask you a question hypothetically: If Moses just decided, man, we all, man, my, these these Israelites, they're real dumb. Like this is not working out real well. I'm just gonna go. I'm just gonna go lay hands on. Everybody. They're all gonna be wise. How how do you think that would have worked out? Do you think that same transfer of wisdom would have occurred? Everybody shake their head like this. No. No, 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 no. Now, it's very important to know the laying on of hands is not a work of man, it's a work of God that's confirmed through the hands of man. Okay? And this isn't, that's an important thing to note that I always know in everything. Okay? And the gifts of the Spirit, and the working of ministry, and people people coming in to, to. um, position; those are things that have to be ordained and established by God first. Because if we walk in them or establish those aside from God's moving, they're illegitimate, and we're going to get to that. Okay. In Acts chapter six, we we have actually the first time that deacons are, are seen in the scriptures. Okay, and today, of course, deacons—what a deacon is—depends on the church you go to okay? Biblically speaking, it was very simple. It says, then the twelve summoned the multitude of disciples and said, it is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. What was going on? There were widows that they, that they were serving, and there was this dispute that some of the widows were being treated in other, differently than other widows, and the apostle said, hey, man, like, we don't have time to leave what God has called us to to try to deal with all these little issues, And so what he says, you need to go find from yourselves seven men who are full of wisdom and full of the Holy Spirit, and we will put them over this task. It's basically what's going on. And the saying, this is verse five, the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, uh, Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, who were set before the apostles. Now listen to this, and when they had prayed, When they had prayed, they laid hands on them. Then the word of God spread and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. So what happened right there? There was a task. There was a responsibility of service that they needed wise, responsible men to handle. And the laying on of hands was to initiate and to ordain them for that work. Now, what did they do before they laid hands on them? They prayed. Now, why is that important? Okay. That, now, when we look at the situation, it wasn't necessarily supernaturally initiated by God. They knew there was an issue. They knew they needed someone to fill the space. They asked for the people to bring forth men full of wisdom and full of the Holy Spirit. And so here are these candidates, but they did not just quickly, okay, here we go. Let's slap them into position and go. No, they prayed. And they were asking the Lord to confirm that ordination. The Lord, the Holy Spirit could have showed up and been like, nah, dog. And they would have had to start all over, you know. But they prayed to see, is this truly the the people, the men that need to be in this position? And apparently their answer was yes. Now, I'm just going to go through some things quickly so we can, don't waste too. In Acts Acts 13, also, um, Paul and Barnabas so Paul, you, you may not know this, the apostle Paul was actually ministering for like 14 years, preaching the word of God for like 14 years, and was not an apostle. He had been, he'd been saved by Christ. He had he'd gotten revelation from Jesus. A man actually laid ha- hands on him, and his eyes were opened, and he received the Holy Spirit because God told him to do that. But then in Acts 13, it says that there were in Antioch certain men, prophets, and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, this, I love this, the Holy Spirit said, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called to them. Then, having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. So again, the initiator in this one was the Lord. It was his spirit. And the laying on of hands was a confirmation. Now, again, that fine line in there. Before this happened, before those hands were laid on Paul and Barnabas, were they apostles? No. No. I mean, were they in the sense of God already knew they were gonna be apostles? Of course. But were they, were, they, were they apostles? No. Were they already functioning in some great manner? Was Paul already walking around in miraculous healings and all things? No, not necessarily. But according to God's own timing and choice, he spoke, set these men apart from a normal life for this work, and it was confirmed through the laying on of hands. okay. So was it was it the, was there anything special about the men's hands? No, but there was something special about God's, God's calling. And so again, there is this pairing of the, 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 the natural, the natural, and the supernatural coming together through the laying on of hands. So let's talk about, about this for a second. Let me take a break from reading through these scriptures. Um, let's talk about authority. And let's talk about ordination. Because I think Most of the time, when we're talking about the laying on of hands, that's what we're talking about. And one of the things we teach in the Bible school, um, we have a whole section dedicated to authority. Now, I want to ask you all a question, because this is super important. So, so, so important. Where does legitimate authority come from? And I'll give you a hint. There's only two ways, there's only two ways that you can have legitimate authority. Anybody want to take a guess? Jesus, Well, yeah, definitely, if Jesus gives it to you, you're in good shape. So there's only two ways to legitimate authority, okay? Either you completely own the rights to something, you created it, it's yours, and nobody can contest you for it. Kind of like God made all things, he made you. Nobody can contest him for authority, it's his. If you own something, if you made it, it's yours. If there's no, nothing to contest that, no government issue where it, it belongs, you have authority to do with it as you please, right? The only other path to legitimate authority is receiving it from legitimate authority. That's the only other path. And so all of these people running around, renegade, trying to be, trying to make themselves, trying to achieve something in their own strength, all they're doing is pointing a finger in the eye of God. Because do you know what the Bible says about authority? All authority has been put in place by who? By God. By God. And it's according to his timing and his choosing. Okay, and that's very, very important. If somebody just showed up and decided they don't like Trump, and so now they're, they're the new president, and they start writing executive orders, is there any man in his right mind that is going to honor that man's authority, quote-unquote? No, of course not. Do you think God honors his authority, quote-unquote? Not at all. Not at all. And so this is where the This is where the applicable form of laying on of hand comes. It's very important because if we're going to make, if we're going to make Javier the new pastor here, if he just shows up and starts preaching one Sunday and everybody's like, what the heck is going on? Javier, he's out of his mind. Like, what is happening here? There's going to be some confusion. There's going to be some question. There may be some like, well, who are you? Well, what are you doing? You know what I mean? But if men with legitimate authority Bring Javier up and say, hey, we have seen these things. We have heard from the Lord, and this is going to be the next minister. I want all of you men to come and gather around. We're going to pray. We pray and seek the Lord, and then say, okay, now we're going to lay hands on this brother. We are going to establish him and ordain him for the work of this ministry. The public has now seen and been involved in that transfer of authority. Now, if anyone questions his authority or his work, who are they really questioning? the authority above them and the authority above them. And so there's something very important. There is a bridge between between um, the apostles and, and, and those under them through, from the old to the new, from the, from the older generation to the younger generation, right? And I, man, I was young and excited one time once and just thought, oh, we don't need all this. And you know, we're all just full, we're all just supposed to preach and we're all just gonna go and we're all just gonna do all these things. It doesn't care what anybody tells you, you just go do it. Man, that is so rebellious. I wasn't even wise enough to know it, right? If God calls, he will establish. He will establish. Who God calls spiritually, he will confirm physically. And if any man claims to be a pastor, preacher, prophet, whatever, but there has been no confirmation from him from God-fearing men, that is something to really question, and when I got hired on here as a pastor and they were doing their little elder board meeting and they were okay, I, said, I just said, hey, well, hold up. Like, um, If this is something I'm good with, you, if you're really saying that you want me to preach here, like, I'm gonna request that you as the elders lay hands on me and, and ordain me for this work. I, I, I need your confirmation in that way. Otherwise, if you're not willing to do that, I'm not willing to do this. And, and so they did. And I'm very thankful for that. And in Faithful Fishers, Um, When we ordain missionaries, we fast, and we pray for at least three days. And then we go, and with confirmation in the body, with prayer, with fasting, then we pray and we lay hands on those brothers, you know. Okay. One more thing here that I want to touch on. healing, gifts even. Um, To what extent is the laying on of hands limited? And I'm I'm asking questions, or I'm gonna answer questions that you're not maybe even asking for the sake of one day you'll probably ask these. As I said at the beginning of, of, of our time together, there's something mysterious about the laying on of hands. Like, I mean, if anybody's here has watched the American gospel, you have Benny Hinn's uh, nephew, who is now um, no longer part of that ministry, has his own ministry, asking his uncle, hey, I don't understand if we're such great faith healers, like, why can't we go to my friend's house who's dying of cancer? Like, why are we going to stadiums and not hospitals? What's the deal, right? To what extent do I have in my own ability the authority to just start laying hands and ordaining and healing? And where's... There's a lot of question. There's a lot of mystery. And so I'm gonna nail it down here in in a very simple way. Um, And this really applies to a a wide variety of things. As the Lord leads, so you do. It's that simple. If the Lord has not said and confirmed to lay hands on somebody, don't do it. And if you feel the desire to, pray first and ask the Lord, ask the Lord for, for, for the power for, for, to do something. Ask him, are you going to do this work, right? And see what he says. Because even miracles, if God, if God wants to do a miracle, he can do it. There's no one to stop him. And there's a lot of people in this world who have done miracles. Did they do it because they're such great, spirit-filled people, and they just decided to whip out their miracle sword that day? No, they heard from the Lord and in faith and probably fear and trembling, by the way, they just moved as God told them to move and God did something great. And I, I, I just, I, I always find the need to overemphasize that point because there's something in us that always struggles with that. And even that, I told you about that video I watched, right? After that, man, I was praying for everybody. I was going out and I was doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And I saw, initially, I saw God do some amazing things. And then at one point it kind of just stopped. And I was very confused. I'm like, okay, maybe I'm not praying right. You know, maybe I'm not filled with the spirit enough. I was like trying to like work it up. Like, come on, Holy Spirit, you know, we're gonna go save the world. And I finally came to the conclusion. I even, I even messaged the people who made the video and they messaged me back. And the conclusion I came to is like, man, like God's gonna do what God's gonna do. And he's not gonna do what he's not gonna do. And that decision does not start with me, it starts with him. And so if someone wants, is asking me for prayer, man, I'm gonna pray for him, And I'm just gonna ask, Lord, if you're willing, please, let's, let's see healing come, and God's gonna do what God's gonna do. And if God's moving me to go pray for somebody, I'm gonna go pray for him. But if I, there's a bunch of young Christians who are just hyped up, and we're gonna go do all these things, and, I'm, and I am just, man, I don't, I don't feel the Lord in that, I'm just gonna stay home and not waste my time. And guys, that is wisdom. Even in this church, we've had things like that happen. right? And I've just backed out and been like, nah man, this is not the Lord. And sure enough, you know, those things, those things are seen. So I want to read uh one last verse and then we're gonna call it call it good for this morning. Where I'm missing the page here. I should have laid hands on it, it would have been better. There we go. <laughs> just kidding. Okay, actually, uh Two short ones. These are from Jesus. In um, Mark 6, 5, it says, Now Jesus could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. Like, that's not a big deal. Um, So Jesus goes back to his hometown, and it says because of their lack of faith, he could not do any mighty wonders there. Again, what does that mean? Does that mean that Jesus was somehow hindered from doing miracles by their faith? No. It means that because of their lack of faith, the Father was not willing to move. And this is a very interesting thing. It says in Mark chapter 6, I think it's in chapter the same chapter. Somewhere in Mark. (laughs) That, and that day the power of God was with him to heal. So even Jesus was only doing what he saw his father doing. He He was not overstepping those bounds. And in Matthew 19, 13 through 15, it says, Then the little children were brought to him that he might put his hands on him and pray. But the disciples rebuked them. But Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them. For of such is the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and departed from them. Now, if that's all he's doing, if he's just laying his hands and praying over some kids, like, is that really that important? Apparently it was. It was important enough that (laughs) mothers were bringing their children however far just to put them in front of Jesus, just for Jesus' hands to lay upon them and pray because there was something supernatural in his blessing towards them that was in a very real way imparted over their life. Now, standing before you, do I really understand that? No, I really don't. And if you say you do, you better have a dang good explanation for me because I don't get it. But even in the Old Testament, when when the patriarchs blessed their children, their blessing determines the future of those children. And again, now, they didn't just, it wasn't every chapter you see them, but no, at the end of their life, by the Holy Spirit, they spoke. One time, they even, he, one dude even like switched his hands on the kids because the Holy Spirit led him to do that because the blessing needed to go to the other child. You see what I'm saying? It's something that's prompted by God. So I want to I leave you with this. How do we wrap this all up? I want to leave you with this, that the laying on of hands in the book of Hebrews is called an elementary, let's say a foundational doctrine of Jesus Christ. And I think it's very, very important to take it seriously and to just consider with an open heart, what does this mean? And I want you to consider how important laying your hands on someone and just blessing them in the name of Jesus can be. I want you to consider the power if we actually believe the Lord enough that when people were sick and called for the elders that we would anoint them and lay our hands on them and that we might have some confidence that God is going to work supernaturally even if we're not really even sure how because the scriptures say that the just shall live by faith. Okay? The just shall live by faith. So, God, let's, let's pray, and if you have any questions, feel free to come and, and ask me afterwards. Father God, we thank you so much for this morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this time, really just a time of teaching, Father, just to expand our understanding and to, to be tested, Father, in our faith. Um, and, Lord, I pray that you would teach us all more about the laying on of hands, that we would hear your voice, Lord. We would feel you move, Holy Spirit, that we would be willing to, to bless even those who curse us, Father God, but that we would not be hasty. We would not be hasty to move or to speak or to declare things that you yourself have not spoken. And so Lord, just teach us to be faithful. Truly, that's what we ask in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.